Hey everyone, it is your resident Dungeon Master Austin here, and I just want to talk to you about something really quickly. I will let you get to the episode and all the excitement in just a moment, but bear with me for a minute. So we here at Me, My Spouse, and I are running a giveaway right now as you are listening to this. This giveaway is sponsored by the great dice company Norse Foundry. They make awesome gemstone and metal dice, among other RPG accessories. What we are giving away is a set of their seven-piece poison dagger metal dice. So they're really cool black metal dice with green numbering. I love them. I would use them if we weren't going to give them away. Right now, we have a few entrants, but if you want to get in on this and get a free set of dope dice, all you have to do is the following. Follow us on Twitter at Podcast. Retweet the original tweet that announced this contest. It is our pinned tweet right now, so it should be right at the top of our feed for you. And then give us an iTunes review. You can give us an honest review. We would love five stars, but you, you may be honest. And then just let us know what your iTunes alias is so that we can connect a person to an iTunes name and get you what you deserve. That's it. That's all you have to do to enter. So if you've been listening to us for these past few weeks and you like what we're doing, we would love a rating or a review. Or if you've been thinking that maybe you should give us a review and just haven't gotten around to it yet, here is a little incentive to do that. Even if you're not necessarily an iTunes person, I'm not an Apple guy. I only got iTunes specifically for this podcast. That is just the way that it goes right now. That's sort of the best place to aggregate reviews and ratings, and it's a great way to get new listeners, and that's what we want to do. We want to spread this love to as many people as possible. So if you'd like to to enter for a cool set, we'll help you out. You help us out. And that's really it. So thank you so much for listening. If you are going to give us a review, you can pause it right now and do it. We will wait for you. Okay, great. You can get on to the episode right now. Please enjoy episode eight. Safe from the knolls and momentarily out of harm's way, Octavia and Carhoon must press on to Montagnan. How has the war affected the rest of Moir? What new horrors will they face? And will our sick dungeon master make it through the episode? Welcome to Me, My Spouse, and a Die. Welcome to me, my spouse, and a die. I am Gwyneth, your resident Asimar, Octavia Marguerite Sinclair. And I'm Austin, your resident dungeon master. If you like what you hear in the next hour or so, please rate, review, and subscribe to us on iTunes or your preferred podcasting app. The best way for us to grow right now is by you sharing us with your friends, so please do just that. <laughs> we also want to take a moment and thank everyone who's already left us a review or who's reached out to let us know how much they like the show. Your kind words mean the world to us. This podcast would really be nothing but more noise on the internet without its listeners, and we are so grateful for all of you. And finally, we wanted to let y'all know that we're still running our giveaway. Head on over to Twitter. Our handle is at Podcast for more information on how to enter an amazing set of Norse Foundry Metal Dice. I feel like this is the perfect time to say, may the odds be ever in your favor because dice and like D&D and stuff. <laughs> yeah, not to be too self-deprecating, but if you enter that giveaway, your odds of winning them are very good. 
that's very true. Because we do not have too many entrants right now. So if you want a dope set of free dice, please. Uh, the 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 rules for entry are relatively uh, minimal. So just do that, and you could have yourself a, a new nice set of rollers. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if anyone can hear it, but your resident dungeon master is a bit sick right now, but. Uh, I am trying to pull it together enough to to do this, uh, so we have another episode for this week, and so I will try to keep the number of gross noises that I make to a minimum, um, or to edit them out in post. But uh, just bear with me, and I hope—I mean, I'm I'm not like a master voice actor anyway, but I'm sure all of my NPCs will sound a bit stuffy this week, so. Yeah, Carhoon, like, you know, we'd been camping, so he was sleeping outside, so the dew got to him, and he has a bit of the sniffles. He's going and caught a sniffle. <laughs> Is he Scottish now? <laughs> That's from uh, Indiana Jones. Oh, I, I, sorry, did not ca- did not pick up on that. It's in the, uh, what is it, the Last Crusade when they're going to that, the German castle, and he's pretending to be a Scottish art guy you know the- wow i do did not uh, remember that have only seen yeah. that once so and as you recall he's here to l- see the tapestries <laughs> oh my gosh <laughs> i got nightmares from that last one so unfortunately the whole i Indiana thought you got Gen- nightmares from the second one was it the second one temple Which- of doom yeah that's the most nightmare inducing okay. one yeah so unfortunately the whole they were all all three were tainted by that one so yeah First and the third one are. We don't talk about number four. Oh, right. I always forget that there even is one. Have you seen number four? Isn't that the one with Sheila Buff? The blue? Mm-hmm. The crystal skull? Crystal skull, yeah. Th- didn't that just come out like relatively recently, right? I mean, that came I mean, out. In the a te- long. I mean, I in the like, teens. Yeah. I'm, well, hold on. Comparatively, I, I guess, comparatively, it was quite recent. I don't think you were in high school. When did Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull come out? Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull came out in the United States of America on May 20th, 2008. Wow, 2008? Are you serious? 2008, yeah, it was a while ago. I was in high school. Man, sorry, it felt more recent than that. I was going to say, that was a long time ago. Did they make a fifth then? No, not to my knowledge. Wow. Because... In my mind, I'm picturing, I remember hearing about it, and I remember where I was, but that must have been a a false memory, because I did not live there in 2008. Maybe. Weird. Memory is a funky thing. Indeed it is. Such as Uh, never remembering to use concentration. (laughs) Haha, my bad listeners. Did not do that well in episode seven. Well, I put it big on the top of my character sheet. Remember concentration so that hopefully from here on out, I will not forget that every single time. Oh, yeah. I I did roll retroactively to see what my concentration check would have been. And I rolled a natural 19. So I think I was good. But nobody really hit you anyway, because it was just that one time that that null hit me because I double checked and Shillelagh does not say that it requires concentration. So no, it doesn't. Only Moonbeam. Yeah. So I would have been okay. Just that it was just that one time that null hit me. I'll give our shout out to Sirenscape right now who gives us the uh, the sounds and the music for our episode. So thank you, Sirenscape again. And unless you have anything, I think we can go ahead and get started. 
I think I'm good, my love. I will try to keep it together. You got and this. And get through this. So, we come back. It is a quiet night after your battle with the gnolls. And actually, this is probably your, this is probably your first full night outside the walls and the uh, monster blockade of Lake Ansel in many years. Mm-hmm. Um, probably since the war started. I don't know if you'd really spent too much time out, outside, uh, since then. Yeah, probably not. It's actually probably really nice to her because she used to mm-hmm. all the time when they lived in the forests outside of Alistria. You know, she would hang out there all the time. And so being, I think, in the city confined for so long has made her go a little stir crazy. So even though, you know, there are dire circumstances um, surrounding them being outside of the walls, I think that there's a, a sense of kind of comfort and peace with being out in nature, which Octavia hasn't had for a while. So you you took first watch? Yes. Uh, so the night is quiet. The crickets are, are chirping. It's peaceful after the uh, bloody events of uh, a few hours ago and eventually uh, you you take your watch and the time comes for you to get some sleep and and you shake Carhoon mm-hmm. from his trance and he relieves you from uh, the guard duty and I'm assuming you 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 know make your little bed and you fall into a sleep relatively mm-hmm. quickly I don't want to speak for you but I would imagine you're probably I'm probably exhausted, yeah. So you fall into a fast sleep. After an indiscernible amount of time, uh, you awake very suddenly. Okay. It still seems to be in the dead of night, but you notice that the stars in the sky are gone, and the sky seems to be nothing but sort of an incomprehensible blackness. But there is still uh, a dim cherry red glow of embers coming from the, the fire pit that Carhoon had set up. And sitting across from you on the other side of it is a little palace cat. Oh. Is Car- do, you, do you remember what palace cats look like? Not particularly. Hold on. Let me put one of these in the Discord. It rings a bell, but I'm glad how... Cr- Carastus taking the form of cats just gives you an excuse to look up all these different kinds of oh my god it's so cute oh I want one so badly yeah so I want to retcon every time I've referred to Carastus as a leopard I'm gonna say he's been a palace cat because this thing is just I feel like it's perfect it's so derpy looking Oh my gosh. Woo. Yeah, so if anyone doesn't know, please go and Google Palace Cat, P-A-L-L-A-S. They are so fun. As far as I can tell, as far as like being an animal, they're relatively nasty, vile uh, creatures, <laughs> but they're really adorable. Kind of like badgers. I think badgers are really cute, but they're terrifying. Yeah, they're just very foul-tempered. There's like there's a few videos of them on YouTube, and they're just constantly screeching. <laughs> Is this one screeching? This one is just sitting, sort of the way that cats sit, you know, it's got his little paws, his tail wrapped around his paws, and it's just kind of staring at you with big wide eyes, his uh, pupils are about the size of saucer dishes, mm-hmm. little whiskers twitching, and he's looking at you from the other side of this fire, and the the embers are casting a ruddy glow across his uh, sort of gray fur. Do uh, I see Carastus at all? Mm- what are you? Sorry, you, sorry. Do I? Uh, yep, yep, yep. Uh, 
brain fart. Do I see Carhoon at all? You do not. Okay. I will go over to the fire and sit across f- the fire from whom I assume to be Crestus. Mm-hmm. And I say, hello, it's good to see you again, especially seeing where we are. And I kind of gesture around to the, you know, kind of fantasy shadow landscape that is this kind of dream visiony area. And I then also say, I'd love for you to tell me yourself more about what it is this pendant is. And I just, you know, I probably had it under my cloak or whatever, and I pull out the the milky pendant. Says, it is good to see you too, young one. I understand you have questions. Know that I cannot give you all the answers. She nods. Uh, you know, Octavia's used to Cress as being, you know, not the most straightforward of beings. And, and she says, I guess my first question is, why did you choose to tell me about this through Carhoon? Why did you not talk to me directly? He was deemed a suitable partner for this journey. Gifted though you are, You will need help in this task. Neither of you will be as strong as the two of you are together. You will need him, as he will need you. Why are you choosing to send me off now? How, why is this time any better than ten years ago or five years in the future? What is, what has happened to make now the time? Time is an interesting thing, Octavia. As I said, I cannot give you all the answers, but know that there are forces at work in this world, the likes of which have not been seen in a long time. A great evil is rising, and it must be balanced. Hmm. She, like, nods. Um, do you mean the monsters? Is the war... I know little of news from other cities. Is is it really, has the tide turned that dramatically? Part of the journey will be discovering for yourself. She rolls her eyes a little bit. (laughs) Inside she's like, well, that's very helpful. And then she'll go on to say, what will happen to my family while I am away? As you know... I am one of the strongest of them. And with Antony being being away from the homestead, I I worry for my sister. Will you watch over them as well? My power is not absolute. My reach is not all-encompassing. I will do what I can. But know that they are they are in no worse straits than they were with you by their side. Octavia d- takes comfort in that because that was one of her big hesitations in, in leaving was kind mm-hmm. of being like, 
oh, well, I have these powers, don't want to leave my family without them. So if they're going to kind of be okay whether or not she's there or if mm-hmm. they would no be no worse off if she's gone, mm-hmm. then that does kind of relieve her a little bit. The fate of your family and the families of many others is fluid. Their destinies are not set quite yet, and your destiny intertwines with theirs. You will be faced with many choices in the the coming time. What awaits us at the Chapel of Scales? I cannot give you all the answers, Octavia. (laughs) I have laid this task to you because you are capable. But do not be mistaken. You are not the only one. And if you will not or cannot answer this call you may find others so I could just quit and go home is that what you're saying is that what you feel like you need to do what I feel I need to do and what I want to do are two separate things have you never thought that you were destined for more than a simple shopkeeper's life I feel like destiny has a way of, a manner of choice with it. Unfortunately, my divine origins, as you are well aware, was not a manner of my choosing. That may not have been a manner of your choosing, but as I said, you will have choices to come. As is the choice to undertake this journey. I feel as though it is what I ought to do. I'm glad to hear that. My time in this form is short, Octavia. You are capable of great things, if only you let yourself be. She inclines her head slightly. Says, I will be with you, Octavia. I will be watching. Know that it is not your blood alone that sets you apart. And then he stands up, sort of stretches out his front paws. <laughs> And then it just kind of turns and pads away into the darkness without so much as another, you know, word or uh, a long goodbye. She calls after him and says, Thank you. It was comforting to see you after all that has happened. As its uh, little furry body is uh, disappearing into the blackness, you just see its tail sort of twitch in acknowledgement. And then it is swallowed up by by the blackness, and uh, the the whole scene just sort of fades mm-hmm. and back into a back into a slumber, and you awake again sometime later, back in the real world, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. the world you left, huddled under the campsite, and you see Carhoon leaning against a tree, looking to your south. What you do? Well, I probably, you know, I get up, I trundle over to Carhoon, and I'm like, was there any disturbances in the night? Okay, here we go. You got this. (laughs) Carhoon says, I, hold on, I need to, is this one? Yeah. Yeah, that's good. This is what I, okay. Carhoon says, I did not notice anything out of the ordinary. It seems like, uh. 
Nothing seems to be pursuing us on foot, at least. At least, from what I could tell. That is good, the fact that they must have assumed that the gnolls would have done the job, and so they probably didn't send anyone else out, but as soon as the gnolls don't return, I'm sure that will start to raise suspicion. Whether or not we'll continue to be on their radar, though, is... I mean, we might not be. We will just have to wait and see. And then Octavia will, you know, like, eat some of her rations that she has. And then, you know, breakfast stuff, make coffee in a little tin cup type of thing. Um, And then we'll say, how many do you know how long you estimate it will take for us to get to Montagnon? Well, it will take about four days by foot. And that is moving at a regular pace. If we run into uh, patrols or or other obstacles, it may take longer. We may have to take some detours, but we'll we'll just have to see. And how long would it take uh, by horse? I mean, just about as long. Maybe a little bit faster. Probably three. Okay. Well, I mean, horses You're... are really fast. Yeah, but wild shapes don't uh. Don't last that long, right? Yeah, it's like a couple hours. Do they? I thought it just lasted an hour. Oh, you know what? I think it might be just an hour. I think it's your druid level halved number of hours, but since I'm third, if we round down, it would just be one. You can stay in a beast shape for a number of hours equal to half your druid level. Round it yes. down. Yes. Yes. So one. So, I mean, I could get two hours, two hours a day, since I get two B-shapes a day. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, a riding horse's speed is double my speed. And if That's I'm true. running for two hours, you know, that quadruples, basically, as far as I'd be able to get on foot. That's true. You might but, be able to cut some time off. Yeah. Well, let's just say that well, I'd use it, I mean, kind of sparingly, because, like... Mm-hmm. Dangerous territory. Exactly, exactly. And I wouldn't want to just be caught without any wild shapes left, potentially. Okay. Uh, so what are you? What are you doing? Well, um, Octavia will start packing up her gear, and she'll say to Carhoon, uh, "We should, we should pack up and move as much as we can during the light." I fear that the monsters would most likely be more active in the evening day hours, so we should move while while the sun is in our favor. That sounds good to me. And uh, he begins breaking down camp. Sounds good. So you guys uh, break camp, get all packed up, and you begin heading north. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know that from where you are, it'll take about a day to get up. There's a main road that cuts sort of east to west across this half of the continent uh, that leads, you know, all the way from the west of Stagpine into the mountains in Grundikov. It'll take about a day to get to that main uh, road. Okay. And then it'll be another, you know, three or so after that to get up to Montagnon. Okay. So, oh, go ahead. No, you go ahead. I didn't have anything. I was just going to say, since we know that Grundikov has fallen to the monsters, we Uh will most likely be wanting to skirt around kind of that main entrance that leads 
on that road into Grundikov, um, or to the tunnels underneath it and around it. Um, so we'll probably skirt west a little bit to, I mean, there's no helping us crossing mm-hmm. that road because it's not parallel. It's perpendicular, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. um, we have to, I mean, by essence, we have to cross it. So, but we're going to skirt yes. around a little bit. So we're not going like right past the front door of the monster stronghold. That makes so sense. So we'll, we'll, we're bearing north, but we're going to bear a little Northwest. bit west as well. Yeah. Okay. Okay. As so, you guys head out and start walking, mm-hmm. uh, making good time, staying alert, keeping watch for any any necessarily things that might be moving or or wandering or that might cause alarm or danger. But uh, you you don't see too much at the moment. As you continue making your way across these plains, eventually, after several hours of walking, you begin to notice. Not too far in the distance, maybe a hundred or so feet, sort of an odd shape on the horizon, uh, sort of like a a mound of earth. Okay. Does this look like a natural mound of earth, like a hummock, or like a, you know, when there's a... (laughs) A hummock. (laughs) It's a good word. (laughs) It is a good word. Um, Or does it seem, you know, like when there's a construction site and there's a big old pile of dirt when they're excavating, is it something more like that? Roll a nature check. Ooh, all right. My nature is so bad for being a druid. Um, that was a natural one. Um, you- <laughs> and with my negative one for nature, that is a zero. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, you have no idea. I'm like, is this dirt we're walking on? Is this I'm dirt? like, I is go it, to start eating it. I'm like, is this chocolate? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Can uh, so do sure. a perception check though? A perception check, or to at least uh, can he do in nature to kind of see what this hummock is? Sure. All right. He's much more smart than I. All right, that would be a twelve. A twelve. As far as Carhoon tells, it doesn't look a hundred percent natural. Okay. Is it a shambling mound? You don't know. <laughs> Don't metagame. I've never fought a shambling man before. So you said about 100 feet yeah, away or 100, 100 feet yards away. away? Nah, maybe about 100 or so feet. Okay. Not too far. 100 feet is not particularly far. How big is no, this mound? I mean, it's probably about the size of like a pile of dirt from like a construction site excavation. Okay. So taller than I. And um, Maybe not that tall. Okay. Mogtavia will turn to Carhoon and say... Or more like Carhoon will turn to Octavia because Octavia is trying <laughs> to eat dirt right now. <laughs> and um, he'll communicate to her because I'm not doing his voice that mm-hmm. that the mound is there's something funky going on about this and we should skirt around it and kind of be be cautious in approaching it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so do you guys just try to skirt around and avoid it or do you approach it? Well, as, I mean, we'll skirt around it and then kind of, we will get closer than 100 feet to it and then we'll mm-hmm. kind of skirt around it. Okay. As you are sort of skirting around it, your foot bumps into something hidden in the grass. Uh-oh. My foot or Carhoon's foot? Your foot. Is it trigger Bonk. something? Does something happen? Nope. Oh. Well, I will look down to see what my foot bonked against. 
<laughs> Such a good, uh, so good automatopoeia. Bonk. Uh, if you look down, and at first you, you mistake it for like a, a rock or something, but as you inspect it more closely, you see it's an old rusted helmet. Oh my gosh. Is this like a burial place? I pick the helmet up and I look at it more closely. Is it like look, look like it was a monstrous helmet or like one of the humanoid from one of the cities? It looks to be of dwarven make. Once a fine piece of armor, intricately inscribed with runes and sigils, but now it's just sort of dented and rusting, uh, forgotten, and sort of half buried in in the dirt and grass. Oh wow! Does it seem like it came from this hummock? Came from the hummock? Um, I mean, you're you're not sure. Octavia will show it to Carhoon and be like, "This should not be here." There's something going on in this area that is not as it should be. Hmm. So what do you do? Well, I mean, she's kind of curious about this hummock now. I mm-hmm. mean, especially if it's... I don't know. So she's going to approach it cautiously. Okay. So you cautiously approach it. And it reaches a thing out in the tent. No, just kidding. <laughs> You almost had me! You were so calm in saying that! (laughs) Oh my gosh! I was imagining it too! I was like seeing, does this little branch come out kind of like the Whomping Willow and just be like, boop! Whomp. Exactly. (laughs) Now you you approach this mound and it does not shamble. And you can see that it's it's sort of covered in in like overgrowth and and grass and stuff but maybe not as, as slightly discolored and not as as lush as the rest of the grasslands and the the dirt itself seems to be a mixture of sort of like windblown dirt and and ash oh okay so octavia is definitely thinking that this was some kind of burial type like a cairn or something where they like piled up bodies and everything a la Lord of mm-hmm. the Rings. Um, mm-hmm. Can she do, would that be a, again, investigation. investigation? Okay. Chronically can never remember what the difference is between investigation and mm-hmm. perception. That would be a 17 for investigation. 17. Yeah, as you look at this mound, that seems to be exactly what it is. And as you sort of look closer, you can see... You know, buried within it are little bits of little bits of armor, little scraps of of weapon and and bone and and whatnot. That's awful. Um, yeah. Can I do a perception check or whatever on the helmet that I'm holding to see if it has any like family crest on it? Sure. Would that be Would that be also an investigation? Because I'm looking for something particular. Um, you know, it'd probably be a history just to see if you recognize anything. Oh my gosh, that's also a 17. 17. Oh gosh. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll say you you do see something sort of at the front of the helmet that looks like a family crest. Here, we'll put it in your hands. What's the uh what's the Uh-oh. what's the dwarven family name that uh, you recognize? The dwarven family name that I recognize is the rock sword. <laughs> the 
shield bashers. <laughs> are you are you gonna go with shield bashers? Yep. All right. And the the long lineage of of shield bashers. <laughs> Sorry, that's not very good at all. The great in my no. The- I was looking at my thing of like blistex, and I'm like lip smackers, and I was like, no, <laughs> that's not good either. <laughs> Uh, so you recognize the uh, the sigil of the great and mighty Shield Badger Clan, a well respected warrior family uh, that once <laughs> resided within Grundikov, known for their prowess with using uh, defensive shields for offensive purposes. Using shields for bashing. They've probably got like spikes on their shields or something. Yeah, something really cool like that. Yeah, I mean it's not a terrible name. Um, no, a pretty good name. Does is this cool. is this helmet magical at all? Do I get anything or off of no. it? Okay. Um, Seems like just sort of a not necessarily run of the mill because it's like a family helmet, but yeah. just a mundane. Mundane. Well, well made, but mundane. Okay. Helmet. Well, I mean, she doesn't really have any like divine magic or anything, but she'd kind of like to put it on the mound in such a way that it would, you know bring honor to honor to the person who is wearing it um i don't mm-hmm. know if there's any like a, a stick she can use to dig into the dirt and then like put the helmet on the stick you know that type of thing mm-hmm. you could find something yeah so that's what she'd like to do and she says a small prayer to all absalon um kind of remembering remembering all these people who probably fell in the fall of Grindikov. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, Carhoon sort of walks up next to you and he bows his head briefly and, and seems to pay his respects and then, yeah. And then we'll continue on our northwesterly trajectory. Probably, like, somber, because mm-hmm. we haven't faced as many losses in Lake Ansel as they have in the other cities, so we haven't had to deal with like massive amounts of loss it's been there's been loss but on a infrequent basis and not a great number so as you guys uh finish paying your respects and begin to prepare to continue on your jury jury journey i've always wanted to be on a jury actually oh geez It'd be Everyone so fun! I get, to, I get to be like, I, my my job right now is to judge people. Like, that's going to be as close I, as I am to being a judge for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> as you're continuing, preparing to continue on your journey, a sound cuts through the air. Coming from... Uh, the the southern direction, you would think. And it's low and rumbling. It seems like it's a, a bit of a distance off. And it almost sounds like an elk's bellow, which I'm oh. not even going to try to <laughs> try to do. If we learned anything from the hyenas, it's that <laughs> I cannot do animal noises. But this sort of elk's, you know, uh, what would you even call that? A... I think cows a be- say moo. What do elks say? Bellow. I yeah, think a bellow sounds good. Does is this an a, an unnatural type of sound, or or would this have been a sound that Octavia would have heard before? Roll. You can roll me a nature check. Fourteen. Fourteen. 
this isn't necessarily the uh the type of biome for elks. Okay. But it's maybe we'll say it's maybe a noise you've heard before. Uh so you hear this sound and yeah, it, it seems kind of unnatural to you. Okay. For for some reason. D- does it seem threatening? Not necessarily. Okay. Do you do anything? Like, how far away does it seem like it's coming from? Does it seem like it's, like, right on our heels? Like, how long has it been since we were at the, um, like, the cairn, that kind of time? So this this happens, like, right as you are still there. You guys oh, are just okay. we're, preparing we were to just leave. We were just turning away to leave. <laughs> so how far away does the sound seem? Um, It's hard to pinpoint, but, well, reason- reasonably in the distance. And from Not the Not, like, about to pop out. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I'll like peer around the burial place um to see if I see it, but other than that, she would turn to a carhoon and be like, I think it would be we'd be well advised to continue north because we do not know, you know, if that sound is from someone friendly or not, and most likely not friendly due to where we are. Mm-hmm. Uh, Carhoon turns to answer you, and then uh, you hear this noise again. I, I really want to do it, but I know I'm going to sound terrible, do especially because I'm sick. You so got I know this. I'm not You're sick. Your voice will be lower, so it'll yeah. be a good bellow. <laughs> no, I'm not. Uh, but you hear this sound cut through the air again, and you realize part of the reason why it sounds so strange to you is that it seems to be coming from the sky. From the sky? And... Oh my gosh, oh no. As you look to the south... Oh uh, no. Roll a perception check for me. Oh no. You both can. Oh no, is it a periton? Oh, I rolled... Oh, I rolled great. I rolled a 23. And... Uh, Carhoon rolls. And 19! 19, okay, both of you have... What do your ASMR eyes see? <laughs> exactly. Uh, you both sort of peer south and you see in the sky, you see two shapes moving, soaring through the air at a pretty quick clip. And they seem to be uh, doing sort of wide circles around large swaths of land, almost like they're in some sort of, with your rolls, almost like they're in some sort of search pattern. Okay. Generally working their way north. Okay. Can we hide with the hummock since we're still kind of in its shadow? Yeah, you would like to sort of lay down flat on on one side in the tall grass and try to make yourselves inconspicuous? Exactly. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, roll a a stealth check for me. Okay. You both may. I rolled a six. I'm like, hey, I'm over here. Hey! Hey! <laughs> Carhoon rolled a 16 and he's like, get down. What are you doing, you idiot? <laughs> so, with those scores, uh, they're still a, a reasonable clip away, sort of moving in, in these lazy circles. And how long are you going to stay there? Well, are you going to sort of stay there until they pass over you? Do we get the impression that they've seen us yet? Uh, you do not. Okay. Um, now that we see these creatures, can we tell what they are? And there are um, two of them, you said, right? 
I mean, they're, they're still far enough away that you know they're two flying shapes, but you can't really pinpoint exactly what, what they, they are. are. Okay. And how many and how far away are they at this point? There are two. How f- Sorry, how far away are they at this point now that I can see them? I'm bad at distances. How far can the human eye see on like a flat plane? A couple miles? Yeah, I think. Does that I don't sound know. right? I do not I'm know. I'm bad at judging like estimating distances. I'm like looking at the window and seeing how far I can see. Um, Yeah, we'll say maybe like a few miles. It's a, a long, plane, a long flat lands, and you both rolled very well. So I'll say they're yeah, my, a couple miles okay. back. Um, that seems reasonable. I don't know. If they're if if they are moving quickly, uh, Carhoon and Octavia will stay hidden in the hummock, and Octavia will try to hide better. <laughs> but okay. if it seems like there'll be a long time, and this is not the best type of place to be concealed, like if we look around and there's another copse of trees or something that would provide better concealment, then we will run to that area. It doesn't really look like uh, there's anything better at the moment. Okay. Well, I think we'll... Unless it seems like it's going to take them a couple hours or, you know, a really long time to start flying over where we are, I think we're going to just kind of hunker and try as best we can to kind of hide in this area. Okay. Uh, The two of you stay hunkered. These two shapes continue sort of making their way slowly towards you, circling left and right and uh, making paths over large, large areas of land. Uh, You hear a couple more of these low bellows Hmm. piercing through uh, this this, uh, afternoon air. Eventually, they, they do sort of pass over this sort of cairn area. You see their shadows sort of... Sliding across the uh, the grasslands around you, uh, making big old circles overhead, mm-hmm. kind of like buzzards, mm-hmm. giant buzzards. But it doesn't appear that they they spot you. Okay. And after a few tense minutes, uh, they sort of cut to the east. Okay. Sorry, I had to get my cardinal directions right. <laughs> they sort of make a cut to the east and begin heading off in that direction. Okay. Um, as they got closer, were we able to figure out what they were? Um, because you're like hiding. Probably not. I'm gonna say yeah. Okay. Probably weren't too concerned with figuring out exactly right, what they were. Right. Probably keeping our head down as opposed to popping mm-hmm. our head out and being like, "Oh, yep. what are those things up in the sky?" Yep. <laughs> All right. Well, perfect. Um, as soon as they're, as soon as they start bearing east, we will pop out of the ground and continue hurriedly in our north westernly um direction okay at this point have we crossed that road that leans to grindikov you have not this has all been sort of this first day so you're you're thinking you'll get there near the end of it okay perfect and in fact yeah you you make haste to try to get away from these two creatures and uh you begin getting near what you would assume to be this road Mm -hmm. um and dusk begins to fall as you you maybe lost a a few minutes um hiding and and investigating the mound and and whatnot uh and cutting west so around dusk uh you you are getting nearish to this road based on both of your 
knowledge of navigation and, and, you know, geography and whatnot. And you see a structure in the distance, a large sort of tower, a square tower at oh. the base that sort of tapers near the top into a sort of lookout platform. Okay. How far away is that? Um, it's, <laughs> sorry. It's in I mean, the distance. Okay. It, it can be as, it can be as far away as you want. Okay. Um, does it look like there is a creature or creatures on uh, the platform? There's no sort of light coming from it. You don't see anything moving around the top. Okay. Does it look abandoned? Like, does it look decrepit or in use? Yeah, so it definitely doesn't look necessarily in use. It sort of okay. bears the marks of war and portions of it are sort of cracked and oh, crumbling. And there's okay. maybe like a hole in the back wall. But as a whole, the structure is still standing. Okay. Octavia gestures towards it to Carhoon and says, uh, this might be an ideal place to to rest overnight in better concealment should the structure prove to be uninhabited. Uh, maybe we should go, you know, check it out and see if it's empty. Mm-hmm. Uh, Carbon says that, uh, that seems like a good idea. Be best to get out of the open air for the night. Mm-hmm. And so the two of them will kind of uh, sneak up to the structure to see if anyone is there. Okay. You approach the structure, and you see it has a large iron door on the front of it. Uh, it's weathered and covered in rust, but it looks sturdy enough to be a welcome spot of respite for the night. The tower generally, I'll say this, the tower also looks to be generally of dwarven okay. make. That was going to be my follow-up, yeah. Mm-hmm. Can I do a like perception check to see if I like hear you know, anything rustling inside of it or anything like that? Sure. Alrighty. Oh my gosh, I crit failed. Oh, oh. my gosh. I hear you myself. I hear my own heartbeat. Hear anything. You're not. Yeah. I like stuff grass in my ears and I'll be like, I'll be able to hear my own thoughts. <laughs> oh man. Okay. Well, is that rusty door locked? Uh, you don't know. You'd have to try it. I go out to the rusty door and cautiously mm-hmm. try it. It is not locked, but it's just very rusty, and it sort of takes a bit to move because the hinges are sort of like... Yeah, stuck in place. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, Octavia will kind of like look around, see if anyone can see us, see if there's anything going on, and then we'll uh, pull the door open. Okay. Uh, with some effort, and maybe with Carhoon's mm-hmm. beefy muscles helping you out, um, you manage to pry this door open with sort of a, a creak. What do my it fair eyes see? I was going to say, you you do have dark vision. We've been over this, yes? Yes, and... Okay, you both do. We do, because he is an elf. Yes. Okay, so uh, you, you look inside. Within... You see uh, dust and cobwebs covering a cracked stone floor. There's a few barrels on uh, the far wall, and there's a rack of dust-covered spears on the right Mm. wall. However, most striking is that there are several just, like, bones and tattered scraps of armor littering uh, the floor. It looks like a significant battle took place here. Um 
and there's a staircase sort of on the far wall as well that leads upward, presumably to the lookout. Oh, that's... So how many bodies does it seem like there was? Do you investigate? I don't walk in yet. Whenever the DN is like, do you put your foot over the threshold? I'm like, not yet. <laughs> I look around first. Uh, roll another perception check. Okay. Oh my gosh, I need to change this die. Flippity gibbet, that's only a seven. Can, only a seven? Can Carhoon, yeah, you're not sure. Several. Can Carhoon kind of like look around? Sure. <laughs> he rolls a ten. A ten? Yeah, no, it's dim. You're not fully in there yet. It's hard to tell how many. Okay, and how big was this? Ta- I mean, I should have been able to tell from the outside, but, like, how big is is it one room that, like, encompasses the entirety of this, like, first floor? Yeah, basically. Okay. Like a classic Skyrim tower, basically. Yep. Okay. Pretty much. Um, And how big across is it? Is it, like, 20 feet across, 30 feet across? 30. It's it's big at the base, but it narrows toward the top. Okay. This place kind of creeps me out. Oh, but I'm also curious. She'll go in, and she'll take a take a bit more of a look at the bodies, and she's thinking that maybe... She, like, she is not wanting to stay in a room with a bunch of bones, but she's like, maybe there aren't any upstairs, and we could stay up there. <laughs> so, wait, you go upstairs? Well, I'll go into the room cautiously. Okay. Yeah, you enter the room, and... and sort of your, your footfalls bring up little puffs of dust and some... I don't know, probably some, like, rats and and things skitter into the corners as uh, you guys approach, but nothing immediately happens. Okay. And now that we're closer, can we kind of tell how many bodies there are? Yeah, I'll say if you guys spend a few minutes looking around. Sure, yeah. Okay, so you, the two of you sort of look around, and it looks like there's, there's about three smaller full skeletons. Okay. That look to be dwarven. Okay. But then there is one much larger skeleton that's sort of on the far wall underneath the stairs. It is m- larger than you. Okay. Uh, it's pretty big, and lying next to it is a is a big, uh, like, great axe that is far too big to be wielded by any of the dwarves. Okay. Uh, roll a perception check. Yeah. Oh my gosh, I switched my die, but that's still only a nine. Okay, uh, you see everything uh, on the skeleton, but you, you can't seem to find a skull for it. Oh, okay, gross. Does the... But the body is like, it's... There's like arrows and spears and stuff in its, okay. in its rib cage. Does the... Do the the tatters of the clothing make me think that this is maybe like an orc or something? It's too big to be an orc. Oh, it's too big to be an orc. Oh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's pretty big. Oh, do I would kind of just like having lived through so many years of the Monster Wars make me think maybe this is like a troll or is it big enough to like literally be a giant? Not big enough to be a giant. Okay. You're not entirely sure what this exactly would be. But bigger than just an orc. Okay, so maybe more yeah, like bigger than troll just size. Oh, that's terrifying and so gross. Pretty, pretty big. Octavia will turn to Carhoon and say, you know, uh, this is a, a dismal scene down here on the first floor, but regardless, potentially upstairs will be less 
uh, grotesque and sad as it may be, we might still be able to find shelter there for the evening because Absalom knows I will not be staying in this room. <laughs> yeah, Carhoon says we can, uh, we can go and find out, I guess. And Octavia will cautiously head up the stairs. Oh, okay. She like, she like wants to do something for the dwarves. Like, I don't know, bury their bodies or do something respectful for them. But she also doesn't like know what she can do. Cause it's like, mm-hmm. she can't just spend a day and, you know, dig a bunch of graves for them without also especially being like really like noticed. So she's, it's, She's really conflicted because she wants to be respectful, but then she also is like, I also don't want to get caught myself. So she's mm-hmm. very, kind of feeling a little bit morally conflicted right now. Sure. Uh, so as the two of you begin heading towards the stairs, you notice a strange blue glow begins to sort of fill the bottom floor of this tower. Oh my gosh. A little wispy blue moat of energy slowly rises uh, from the floor, and you hear a sort of disembodied voice cry out, Dead! They're all dead! My brothers! I will avenge them! And then uh, the wispy blue moat sort of shoots over to one of the uh, the skeletons, and the bones begin to clatter and clack together as it stands. Oh, no. And two little blue motes flash in its eyes, and it grabs its rusted, uh, what, probably sword or spear, and looks at the two of you and begins to lunge towards you. Oh, no. And we're going to pick up there next time. Hey! Of course, it's like, no, I don't, uh, I'm not, like, meaning to hurt you or any of your family. Like, oh, that's, like, that's, like, the worst thing that could happen. It's, like, worse than, you know, like, if that monster's body was reanimated, you know? It's like, oh, oh, man. All right, friends, if you like what you heard, please rate, review, and subscribe to us on iTunes. Um, If you want to get in touch with us, please shoot us an email at me, my spouse, and a die at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from y'all, and we always try to respond to each message we get. Oh, and we want to thank Sirenscape for the amazing atmosphere and music. Make sure you check them out at sirenscape.com. That's S-Y-R-I-N-scape.com. Catch y'all next week.